0: Looking to create wealth in commercial property, but don't know how to do it? Tired of negative gearing and not getting ahead? Well, you're in the right place. You're listening to the Revolve Commercial Podcast. Welcome to the Revolve Commercial Podcast. My name is Andrew Bean, and I'm flying solo today, but we have an absolutely great show for you lined up with an investor who has recently been on fire transacting their first commercial deal, Shane Harrison. How are you, mate? Very good. How are you, Andrew? I'm fantastic, buddy. So, mates, today we are going to have a really fun chat about why you chose commercial property, your thought process behind it, and everything else. So, are you ready? Let's do it. Awesome, mate. So can you just give us like a little bit of a background on like who you are, where you came from, what you do for a job and stuff like that? So I'm
1: a happily married man with three kids living in the suburbs of Brisbane, lived here most of my life, lived up in Townsville for a couple of years, mechanical engineer. So I've traveled around a fair bit doing all sorts of stuff on different process plants around the world, Um, mine sites, food, all sorts of different industries I've worked in. So yeah, I've been working in water treatment for quite a long time as my day job. And yeah, I just see property as a good way to drive passive income and do less work and
0: more recreational time. So in terms of your investing background, like where were you up to before you bought this commercial property and kind of your skill level, where was it at? Look, I've been investing in property for quite a long time. I bought my first property
1: when I lived up in Townsville, actually, it's when I... I was in my early twenties. Um, I realised that it was less, like from a cash flow position, it was better for me to purchase rather than keep paying paying rent up there. Some um, rental yields are quite were quite strong up there. I'm, I'm sure they still are. So yeah, bought my first property then back in the late '90s, and um, you know that that was positively geared from day one. Like I lived up there for a little bit, moved out, rented it out, and it was it was positive. And so I just let it sit there for a while. Went backpacking for a while, came back, got married. So, yeah, we bought a house in Camp Hill, so the inner oh, eastern yeah. suburbs. It was a dump. Let's uh <laughs> not going to dress <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Barely yeah. habitable. So. Worst house on the best street, I bet. 100% and the market was um just white hot at that moment. It was 2003. You go looking through the the paper back then, find your properties you want to look at, go to the real estate agent and i were just like, look, do you want to put an offer down or, or what? Because... I'm not getting my car, so, <laughs> so we're, we're battling that. So it's really hard to even just get into a property. So yeah, we, we ended up getting this one. It was, yeah, not not a very nice property. It was a two-bedroom Queenslander. What I liked about it was the position and aspect and 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 the the block configuration, nice big square block, six hundred and fifty square meters. So we've done a lot to it since then. We've, you know, patched all the holes that were in the floor that we experienced the first winter. <laughs> yeah, and since then slowly renovated underneath and built another floor on and put a pool in it, et cetera. So, yeah, that sort of maxed out that block. And then, yeah, and, and through that process, we sold the place in Townsville to sort of cash flow some of the, the residential building. We're having, um, you know, had young kids coming along and yeah, to put a pool in and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, so we, we repositioned around that and then, yeah, then got back into the property game. Let's probably say about another... 15 years ago again, I suppose. We jumped back into it. Had a place nearby, a resi place at Morningside, which I sold in the in the recent sort of uplift. I was trying to develop the site, but sort of realised I don't really have the the time in my schedule to devote enough to development management. It's so hands-on. and the, Yeah, it's a big job. And, and I just know from my experience in, in, in my professional career and, and renovating at home that if you're if your hand goes off the tiller in a project it it money can just start raining in all sorts of directions so you yeah just, you gotta be really closely monitoring it like daily what's going on on a side and asking questions and probes. so I, I just didn't have space for that so you ended up moving that one on got another place out at chapel hill which is has gone okay it's um you know a, a resi one but um i find with residential investing like using it as an investment vehicle it's 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 very hands on too not as high frequency hands on as say doing a, a development but just the day to day door doesn't open my my deck's rotten all those things come all the time so i kind of like commercial just for the you know the allocation of risk i suppose like you look after the building that's what you can do all the fittings and bits and pieces and operational bits of the building it's it's normally your tenants concern and so that's um they're the ones with the most vested interest in getting it fixed and working. So I think the the risk apportionment side of things with commercial investing is a bit more fair, I guess, <laughs> a bit yeah. easier to manage. And so, yeah, like I've dived into sort of commercial a bit, like I bought a place in my super um, a while ago. Like I didn't add at um, Wakeley way, now Tingalpa. And that's been pretty strong, yielding 7.5%. So it's sort of set and forget sort of property, which has gone well. And then more recently I've sort of been working with Mish. So yeah, I've been wanting to sort of venture more into commercial sort of pivoting out of the residential portfolio a bit there, various reasons. And so heard Mish on a podcast, not unlike this one,
0: <laughs> a few years back it was. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, and just sort of reached out to her after the podcast. And um, I've used buyer's agents before a number of times and um I use one for the property out at Tingalpa, but um, I, I just sort of felt I was sort of just handed stock. You know, th- there may have been some research behind it, but it just seemed to me like it was, oh, here, mate, take this one.
0: So that was the first commercial property you bought. So you've ha- you got yeah. two now. Oh, awesome. So yeah, what yeah. was the actual first one that you bought? What sector was it? What did it look like, you know, tenant-wise? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, this one out at Tingalpa. So it's, um,
1: yeah, it's a, 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 a sort of, Industrial light industrial shed, I suppose. I bay roller door with a mezzanine floor in it. It was a new development, so tilt slab, so nice and maintenance free, and, and that sort of business from the building's perspective. And it's in this sort of body corporated sort of title scheme there with a number of other units. It's filled up very rapidly there, which works well for commercial. So my initial tenant, he was a Sparky, ran an electrician business, used it for storage mainly. He was there for a, a few years. And then, yeah, his, his business expanded to move on. Now it's actually got a, a laboratory in there, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. Um, well, not a meth you... laboratory, surely No. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, they're legit. They passed all the police checks. Um, so <laughs> haven't that's, actually, good. that's good. I haven't actually had a poke around, but, yeah, you never know. But, no, it's a it's a US company. Um, yeah, they do environmental sampling or something. So, yeah, that's they've been good tenants. And so, yeah, they've signed up on a, a strong lease. I think it's a four before
0: or something like that. So it's, um, beautiful. it's good. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're enjoying the show. We'll be right back after this short break. Can't find any good deals. Revolve commercial has you covered with the hottest commercial property picks every month delivered free straight to your inbox. Subscribe today at www.revolvecommercial.com.au Sit back, save time, and have the deals delivered directly to you from Revolve Commercial. And what kind of price point was that one in?
1: It was entry level at the time. It was three hundred fifty thousand.
0: So it's a oh, okay, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So it's it's pulling a pulling a good yield now. And as we all know, it's a pretty simple formula with um property, just peg in your purchase price and your yield calculates off your ever growing rental. Yep, theoretically. So <laughs> yeah, you sort of let the yield fly, and yeah,
0: that one's starting to. Build a bit, which is good. Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to unpack a few things that you previously said about you know, putting together a resi portfolio and, and then putting together a commercial portfolio. You're absolutely right. People don't realize the headaches that you can have having a large residential portfolio because every single maintenance repair is always pushed back to the owner. With a commercial property, a tenant, they're responsible for their own fit out inside the building. And they also want the the property to look nice and presentable for not just their clients, but customers and you know all their operations. So if there's something that's wrong with it, they're more than likely to get a fix pretty quickly. And you don't get a call for that, they just do it themselves. So there's so much less headaches in commercial property. And I think I'm not exactly sure that everyone realizes the big difference until you also own a residential portfolio and then a little bit of a commercial portfolio. And It's very, very interesting, the difference in headspace that you can have not having to worry about, oh God, you know, 123 Main Street's calling me again. Oh gosh, um, Smithfield's calling me again. The toilet's broken there. It's another $1,000 here, there. So it's you've done really well, mate. And you've taken a very, very common and great path to get into commercial property. I think this is probably the most common path. Whereas you've built up your equity in residential property, you've done really well putting your time into having these properties and then you you've cashed out and you've bought a property that's more of a, a lifestyle property that actually pay for you to to own it. And that's the an excellent way to do it. And I um it's one of those things that's the problem about commercial property is it's it takes a while to get your equity together to get into it. But when you can, it's such a better investment for you to be able to live the lifestyle that you want to live. So mate, you've done really well there. Good, good job.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, you know, the, my first commercial property I bought outright, so I wasn't really exposed to the lending yeah. process for commercials, and yeah, that's just so much nicer to deal with than the a residential process that's governed by opera, and yeah, yeah, you know, you're justifying whether you had Uber Eats last week, and all this yeah. you <laughs> yeah,
0: know? it'd be and, nice
1: if you could always just
0: pay cash for a property, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with commercial, you know, the lending—it's a non-emotional deal. It's not you; it's the deal that's focused on, and the lease, and the tenant, and the val, and your cap rate, and it's a mathematical situation. It's—it's it's not a you shop at meyer Yeah, it's
0: not, not board on target. emotion.
1: Yeah, yeah, when you got all these sort of qualitative measures on it. You know, I'm an engineer; I deal with facts and numbers. And, yeah, yeah, that's what. So it just resonates with me, and it's just a bit simpler and.
0: Yeah, very analytical kind of person, I can tell. Say you're at an auction for a commercial property and a residential property, not that we we like to buy properties at auction because you're usually unconditional contracts, so I'd avoid that if you can. But Mm -hmm. just for this example, you can calculate basically to the dollar what that commercial property should be sold at on the market cap rate. But in the residential auction, if a daughter and a dad are at an auction, and daddy's going to buy her uh, a property. <laughs> and the little girl is looking at him and saying, come on dad, yeah. one more bid, one more bid. It can just yeah. get bid up way over the price. And it's, you can't compete with that because there's just uh-huh. so many unmeasurable, like unknowable factors that people just want it more than you and they're happy sure. to pay for it. So that's Definitely. why I also love commercial is It's 100% measurable and you can calculate exactly what it is. And in my mind, it's actually easier. Like it's harder to maybe to understand the basics of it. But once you understand it, it's much more easier to value a commercial property than it is to get a determined dollar value on what a residential property is worth because it's purely speculation. You're speculating that you're going to be able to get that price because the market is this and this person's going to want to pay that. But you don't do that in commercial property. We don't speculate. No, no, it's a really good point
1: that having said that though, in the last sort of, Two years of hectic retail market. Yeah, I, I reached out to Mish to do this last purchase. So I did. It was very, very interesting. It's been an extremely long journey over two years. It's been when I first spoke to Mish and said, "Yeah, let's go, let's go do something." And she said, "Right, I'll go find something." We've been pulling deals till well, she's been pulling deals out. Her team, which have been have just been on it, trolling what's available, and then just going out, putting strong, sensible sort of cap rates out for offers and and it just seemed like a bit of emotion was moving into the commercial space and and i guess we're getting a lot of buyers coming in that were just eventually yeah your cap rate straightens out
0: but a lot of people flying really low like (laughs) yeah really sharp cap rates coming in with cash unconditional offers silly things like that where there's yeah almost it's like a FOMO kind of thing where people are a fear of missing out and they just don't realize that the market is at a peak or it's peaking and then now we're in an inflationary environment. The people that have bought something at like a, a four cap, four and a half, even yeah. low fives, they're gonna be pretty much underwater in terms of at least. It's a negatively geared or neutrally geared property. And that's not yeah. why we buy no property. We want the positive cash flow. So you need high yields and good on the the Revolve team for not snapping to the pressure or bowing yeah. to the pressure. These deals have to be they just have to stack up. If they don't stack up, we just move on. And
1: that's what we did. There were so many we got so close to. And they've spent a lot of time and effort on those deals, just measuring it up, going into detail, getting the IM, going through, the, you know, running the meat through it. And we'll go, okay. And commercial, you're really assessing your tenant a lot. And so yeah. you start diving into, oh, I don't know anything about that industry. So you start going on a bit of a path of understanding the security of that tenant, what they want, and all that sort of business. So, that, you know, that's that's what you really investing in and yeah no to their credit they didn't pressure me at all to go and take a silly cap rate ended up with a really strong property nice heaps of defense in the cap to finance ratio really which is where all your money is i'm really happy with what they did for me it's excellent
0: awesome mate well i'm actually really interested to find out more about it so what type of property is it
1: surprisingly it was way outside the spec i initially had in mind it's um it's actually some office space in a regional center yeah so it's um I mean, I did in Toowoomba in the CBD, and it's something that I would have I hesitated on a bit. It's like, yeah, aren't offices on the way out? <laughs>
0: like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. I can understand you saying that because in yeah. some markets, yeah. office vacancy is huge, particularly exactly. CBDs. But there are some markets where office is still extremely tight. So yeah,
1: and the tenant stable too. Like, it's a, a tenant that was they used to own the building. I bought that they were the vendor, and so. They were selling just because of their business has expanded. They brought on new partners and everything, and it was all becoming complex internally for them. So, And they have no intention of moving through the whole lockdown phase of the pandemic. They stayed at work, Stayed. people kept coming into work. I had in Toowoomba, I guess it's a, you, know, you can space out a bit, I guess, in their office, but they want to stay. Their biggest fear was that I'd boot them out. It's like, no, 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 They're the absolute opposite. Please keep paying rent. You're most welcome to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I said, look, I'm, and we ended up just securing the lease up a bit, extension options in it. So just keep all the the finance agenda going. And yeah, was, they're great. And meet them face to face, actually. I haven't actually signed the <laughs> <company> yet.
0: <laughs> so this was a sale and lease back, was it? Was it already under lease? Yeah, they were already leasing it.
1: Their company, operating company was leasing it from their property owner. Yes. Yeah, it was an internal thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's common placement for a company to have a lease in place to themselves for accounting purposes. Yeah. So sometimes a sale and leaseback can be seen as a bit more risky. So how did the the Revolve team handle that kind of risk and investigate it for you? And how happy were you with the the amount of work and level that they um put into it? Yeah, they put they put a lot of work in. Yeah, I, I was a bit sketchy on it.
1: Yeah, it was outside the asset class I was looking for initially and and it's like I don't really know much about the area. I've been to Tumber a few times, driven few it lots of times, but not actually um I don't really know the area that well. But no, they went out, sat down with the tenant, had a good discussion, and yeah, that's where that knowledge came out that the tenant was worried we were going to boot him out. That's the only thing they were concerned about. And the reason for sale was the big one. It wasn't that oh, my business is drowning, I need a cash injection, which is what I was fearing. But um, yeah. it wasn't that. It was just their expansion plans that they are bring yeah. new partners in their organisation. And then it was, I think it was just getting a bit lopsided, I suppose, perhaps with the who was pulling money out of the business, I guess, or to, to be impartial to it. I'm not really exactly sure. I wasn't really <laughs> too concerned. But the main one was, are you solvent? And <laughs> do you plan to continue being solvent? That's really all I'm Yeah, asking.
0: yeah. yeah. It's just in that hot market in that last two years that we've been talking about, it was actually really commonplace for them to be just cashing in on that really hot market, especially if yeah. the owner had bought it, you know, 20 years ago for absolutely sure. nothing. Yep. And then, you know, it's an industrial asset right now. They, they were getting a ridiculously sharp cap rate and they wanted to expand their business. So yeah. they don't need to own the property to run the business there as long as they have really strong lease yeah place. so sometimes a sale and leaseback is a really really good thing you just got to make sure that you you understand the reason behind it you know and it seems like the revolve commercial team did that very very well
1: definitely yeah and your tenant has to come under the microscope when you're doing these deals like whether you they're on their way out they're, they're happy there or they they want changes they've been whinging to their last landlord about upgrades or whatever to the building you just got to be responsive to what they're looking for cuz if they're not happy, you ain't got no income. They just move. Yeah, you
0: know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's much easier to just keep them. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. So what was the actual cap rate that they secured for you? 8%. Oh, under, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: strong. Yeah, so yeah, yeah really good and you know, stacked up some good finance. So there's there's tons of defense in there. So that's, that's really what, you, what I was looking for.
0: Yeah, nice. And what kind of price point was that at? It was a bit higher than I was
1: planning to go and – Luckily, I suppose, with all the uplift with um, <laughs> Resi Values, that helped my um, <laughs> yeah, position to put the deal together. But yeah, it ended up 1.9 was the purchase price. Okay.
0: And so with the lease, what was the initial lease there and, and how did they negotiate to get options on there and extensions and stuff? How did they firm up a lease?
1: Yeah, well, it was just in the in the process, I suppose, the due diligence period, We they flagged with us that there wasn't a lease in place and so they registered – that was one of the conditions of the offer was to have the lease registered and um, ready to go. And then through that process, we negotiated that they put extensions in the lease just to – it's really to satisfy the risk position of your financier, really. That's what's the that's the key. You, you know they're going to stay, and the options are nice on paper, but they don't have to take them up. So they're not really – Yeah, know, it's to protect the tenant. The bank doesn't really look at it. It's
0: just what the actual period is right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's your initial term. So, you know – it It was three years, so that's that's industry standard. A lot can happen in that time. You never know what's gonna, <laughs> gonna happen there, but no there's some there's an extension on that two or three, so that's a yeah, good lease
0: fantastic mate. And, and so in terms of like a, a value add or a uplift, was there any kind of strategy in this one, or how did we um you know give it a bit of a paint or refurbish something like that
1: no the well the building the tenants actually kept it in fairly good condition they've done a fairly recent. Refit internally, so yeah, it's looking really nice. Frontage is nice, so yeah. Look, I I was initially looking for something that I could do some value add on, but um, to sort of try and boost that cap rate. But yeah, this thing it's already set up pretty strong. It's a single story building, so you know there is potential to go another story in the street. There's two story everywhere else, so um, yeah, you know down the track that could possibly be a an option. And um, I don't know the roof needs replacing at some stage prop my estimates in the next five years or so. So maybe as part of that, they'll look at doing something a bit with it, creating a bit more floor area to rent out. So that might be something to do, but yeah, don't know at the moment. It's just a lock it in, make sure the tenant's happy and and sort of, you know, consider yourself a business partner of theirs. They need the premises and, and and you need them. So yeah, you got to work with them.
0: Awesome. And then I have seen this property before. Is it got a flat roof?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah. I remember it now. Yep. So, with the the property, is it on like any kind of a main road or anything? It's just off the main um drag there near the Toowoomba Sports Club. Oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's in close to there, so it's That's um awesome. Yeah. So, is there any any chance of putting um some, you know, extra paid signage on top of the building in the short term to kind of boost your cash flow? Yeah. If it's got some good kind of traffic, you know, thoroughfare where people are actually driving past or walking past, might be able to have a look at potentially getting some paid advertising on top. You know, it might only be like an extra five, ten thousand dollars a year, but it all counts.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, signage is easy money, isn't it? Like, um, yeah, there's no building to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, most definitely. Interestingly, the building beside it's two story and has got a, a billboard on it. So, um, okay. Yeah, don't know how all the – got to get um, DAs for signage and all that sort of business. So, yeah, look, um, most definitely I'd look into it, but probably as part of when I do deal with the roof, because if you're going to put any structure on the roof there, if you've got to go replace the roof later, it just becomes this big drama. So I want to sort you're of right, yeah. get in and do that as the one sort of scope instead of spending, you know, 100 grand on a roof and then <laughs> – then, yeah, or you go get your signage set up and then you got to spend an extra 50K getting it disassembled while you do your roof and then put it back up again. So, yeah, don't yeah,
0: to, so. it just it, it depends where it's mounted to. If it's mounted to the yeah. you wall know, of the... I mean, you're an engineer. I don't need yeah. to talk to you about this crap. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one thing. All right, mate. So, I mean, yeah. in terms of where you were at before you made this purchase decision... Mm-hmm. Like how how did Mission the team you know really help you to to make the right decision? Uh, and I'm I'm saying it's the right position because I'm obsessed with commercial property. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. a little bit biased. Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> how how did they help you to make this decision to get into the property?
1: Yeah, look the to to get into this particular property, it was um it was the numbers really coming first, and then and you know they got my interest with the numbers of course i so really good and then from that it's into the into the nitty-gritty of the deal I suppose it's 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 the tenant she had to do a little bit of work on me because it's an office not a lot I sort of came around I could see the <laughs> I could see the the value there but you're basically joining the industry of your tenant so to me it's that's the strongest bit and once she sort of gave me that comfort that this was the right tenant. It's a good tenant. Yeah. That really sort of got me across the line. Like, you know, of course you have a bit of a, you, know, you reconsider big transactions. You know, is this right? Is it not? Because if it's not right, there's a lot of undoing to do and that could be yeah. quite messy. So, you know, you stand on the edge of the cliff there with a deal in front of you and you just got to just jump. That's what you got to do. If yeah, got back, trust the numbers you put together, trust your research, trust the people in your team. That That's key too is, um, Mish brings a team. It's not just her. She's got a, an amazing team behind her who dive into all the detail and bring it up and research it. And you need a property lawyer. You need a finance broker. You need someone... accountants. Yeah, yeah, accountants. Yeah, i brought. Yeah, I've had the same accountant for a while now. And so yeah, accountants on board too. You, you got to bring your whole team, especially if you work full time like I do. You, you absolutely cannot do this by yourself.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. Our property is a team sport. It is. It is indeed. Yeah. How's the cash flow on this property right now? Like what are you kind of putting in your pocket each month? Yeah, well it's it's very new. Like it's only settled the last couple
1: of months. I've had only yeah. one rent checks come in and um Okay. No finance payments out yet. So it's it's still very fresh. It'll still sort of 6 to
0: 7% out of that, which is pretty good. Fantastic, mate. Mm. I hope you're enjoying the show. We'll be right back after this short break. Are you struggling to put together a wealth plan? Revolve Commercial have designed an eight question process that generates a personalized 12 month wealth growth plan. And it's free. I gotta check this out myself. Go to www.revolvecommercial.com.au to get your personalized wealth growth plan Free today, and so in terms of future plans, do you think you would ever go back to residential? Not as an investment, no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> not, but like no, no. Like I, I don't think I would.
1: Not for this. No, there's much just much better options now. And, and yeah, you do need some equity behind you to get into commercial. Let's not kid ourselves. There, you need need to either put cash down or you got to have equity in your in your PPR, and then you got to put that up as security. So the way that there are two ways to do it. You either have cash or, or equity. And so you got to have a bit of backing to, to kick it off. But, you know, once you're there, the things just all add up and multiply pretty quickly. That's what happens in the property game, you know, across the board. So, look, I, I couldn't see myself going back to Resi as, a, as an investment vehicle, but um, for personal purposes, yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And would you recommend using a buyer's agent again, or do you have the knowledge now and the, the time To do it yourself,
1: there's no way I do it myself. No way. (laughs) Uh, um, (laughs) For years, you know, you think you could. Even with even with residential buying, if you want to do a good job, get a good transaction, get a good deal, totally exhaust the market in research. If if you're not working, sure, but you gotta you gotta love your spreadsheets and you gotta have plenty of them. I've even got my spreadsheets. I got all these forecasting cash flow spreadsheets where you know I can tweak what I think CPI might be, what I think interest rates will be and all this sort of thing. And mm. so, and, and, you know, they're, they're a rough guess at what it could be, but that's still way not even close to enough of what you need to do to do it properly. There's a lot of interaction you got to do, a lot of research. And yeah, like if you got nothing else to do, sure, have a crack. I wouldn't recommend it.
0: <laughs> yeah, the due diligence process alone uh, is a a very, very grueling aspect of commercial property. And you have to almost be a private investigator, to do it right. I mean, people um, probably don't fully understand or fully comprehend that the amount of work could be 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 hours into the DD process, going through every single document. And then the legal, the lease, like it's Um, such a big job doing all these DDs. I guess for someone who's probably at a very, very good job, your time is probably better spent being at your job doing what you love doing and then getting someone else on the side to do the grunt work of getting all these the ducks in a row make sure that you're not making a mistake because maybe not everyone knows but if you buy a residential property in long term you're probably going to be okay but if you buy the wrong commercial property it can really affect your financial future the biggest demon in commercial property is long-term vacancy yeah. So if you can avoid that long-term vacancy, buying into a great area that has low vacancy of that selected sector that you're buying into, and then that business is also a thriving business that has future prospects of continuing in future, like you're not buying a news agent, you're not buying a travel agent, you're not, <laughs> not buying all of these, a bank, like all of these yeah. like yep. redundant retail properties or office properties that are going out of fashion. It's a monster job and yeah. you can really hurt yourself in future if you don't get it right. So um, good on you, mate, for um, yeah. taking action and making sure that you make the right choice.
1: Yeah, and it's key. One thing a buyer's agent or well, admissions team's good at is have you got the right type of tenant for that type of property and what could be done to that particular property to attract the right type of tenant who would be happier in that location, in that type of property, you know, there's a bit of patchwork there. So yeah, it's, it's a skill and an art and something you need to be doing all day, every
0: day, if you want to be good at it. So in your opinion, who is commercial property for, and would you recommend it like at a barbecue to people? Or like, how would you view that question? Like who is commercial property really for? It is a commitment.
1: Like, you know, it's, it's for those who who understand numbers, you, you got to sort of you know, I didn't just go and start buying one. You got to educate yourself, like quite educated in how to build stuff and how to make stuff and how. And I've spent a lot of time in my career with um, commercial contracts of, you know, very large dollar sums, building critical infrastructure and stuff like that. And and even with that, I, I just didn't have the skills to do this sort of thing. So I started just educating myself in podcasts. i listened to yeah, I listened to yours, Andrew, years ago when it was um, first starting out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a few others, and yeah, it was it was good. It's good just to hear uh, hear stories, and that's why I wanted to do this today. It's um, it, it's good to hear that stuff to say, you know, just to see that it is possible, and that it's not going to be a snap your fingers and all of a sudden you're a commercial property investor. That's the key. Like I've been at this for a number of years now. Like I have probably got that other one. Yeah, about seven, eight years ago, I suppose, when I kicked off, and then this one here—it took two and a half, three years to actually, from when I called Nish to say, "Yep, I want to do something," to property settled. It's yeah, not a quick thing. It's you got to invest time in yourself, and yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to learn. That's that's the key.
0: Yeah, making sure that you're you're buying the right deal that stacks up, and not just uh, you know bowing to the 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 current market FOMO. So yeah. It's interesting that you say that, you know, even someone with high skills like yourself, you still weren't comfortable transacting a commercial property by yourself without a buyer's agent. And it's just Uh interesting because I think some people think that, you know, if you know business or if you're a CEO of a big company, then you just know this stuff. But commercial property is a very, very specific kind of industry and lingo and and language and the way it's actually done. It's something that you do need to actually have be knowledgeable about and there's so many good resources out there now like um you know probably back in 2003 was it when you bought your first residential property there was probably nothing available in commercial yeah. property but it just in the last you know four or five years it's mm-hmm. really um blown up so it's great to see yeah
1: yeah my first sort of source of information is i've got a, an uncle of mine who lives in um melbourne uncle tony yep. hey if you're listening yep. rich uncle uncle tony he's a champion um he's um he's been extremely successful in um in property in in melbourne and doing all sorts of things and and so yeah he's been a bit of a an inspiration a sounding sounding board for for advice and really good talking to him and just sort of getting tips one of the key ones was just that i remember from him is just to remember remember that everyone's got to win in a deal a deal is not a good deal if one party is is not winning in that process and you know, that includes we are in deals. One of the most important partners is is the government. That's where your stamp duty calculations gotta come in. It's where tax calculations come in and it's just they're a partner in the deal. It's they're the crown, they got the land and that's um that's how you gotta play. So
0: yeah, that was that was really good advice. I thought Yeah, very good advice from uh Uncle Tony. Hey Uncle Tony, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. So um, this has been an absolutely really fun uh, chat. Where can listeners go to contact you, find out more about you and things like that? I'm in LinkedIn, LinkedIn, actually. That's probably the best thing.
1: Yeah. Look me up, Shane Harrison. Fantastic. Happy to answer a question or two. All
0: right, mate. Well, this has been Andrew Bean on the Revolve Commercial Podcast, where wealth revolves around you. Thanks, Shane. No worries. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Revolve Commercial Podcast don't forget to check out their private Facebook group, Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial. This show has been produced by the Commercial Property Show Network.